Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundation. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders. Well, welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast. My name is Jeff and I'll be your host today. Uh, my guest today is Dean Bai. Dean's the founder and the international director of Return Ministries. Return Ministries encourages Jews and Christians to work together to fulfill God's plans and purposes for Israel and for the nations according to the word of God. Uh, Dean, you and I met in Israel. You toured me through the Return Center there and um, welcome. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Jeff, thanks, and uh, actually it's quite a privilege and honor to keeping it Israel with First Century Foundations with you, Jeff, and uh, here in the 21st century. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, you've been involved in Israel ministry for many, many years. How did you first come to recognize the significance of Israel and God's plans for the world? Well, Jeff, uh, quite honestly, I think it was a setup. Um, I was just minding my own business. I was a young entrepreneur. I was successful in Canada. I was actually doing, I had singing telegram operations uh, throughout Western Canada. And uh, I had an employee that joined up and she wanted to help franchise. She was more qualified, but she wasn't crazy about my Christianity. And so she had a whole church praying for me. And she began giving me books and tapes. And before you knew it, all I wanted to know was about Jesus. And uh, it was Jesus, 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 Berlin Wall drops. Before you know it, uh, uh, Jews are streaming after communism falls into uh, uh, Eastern Europe. And as Billy Graham used to say, uh, when you read your Bible, read it next to your newspaper. And uh, a scripture came alive for me out of uh, Jeremiah sixteen fourteen. There'll come a day where the Israelites will no longer say that their God is the God who took them out of the land of Egypt. That's what Moses did his shtick. But they will say he's the God who took them out of the land of the north and from all the countries to which he banished them. Now call upon my fishermen to catch them. That, uh, that verse just shot off the Bible to me. Due north of Jerusalem is uh, Moscow. And I'm going, how can I continue to build my kingdom? If I happen to be living in an hour when prophets 2,800, 3,000 years ago spoke about the very hour that I get to live. Now, if that wasn't enough, and then I'm reading the Apostle Paul's message to the church in Rome, and I get to Romans 11.11, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. You'll be hard-pressed to find another scripture in the Bible that tells you why you're saved. It says, they messed up, I get saved. And before that verse ends, it challenges the, the Bible student to make Jews jealous. Hey, I'm the kid from Winnipeg that wondered why Israel got to be the chosen and not Canada. You know, I couldn't understand why Jesus wasn't a Winnipegger, uh, but he was Jewish. And these things challenged a little boy growing up. It wasn't until I was 30 years old where I went, wow, it's in the Bible. And now I surrendered myself to the Lord and uh, the rest is history. 
Well, that's great. Now you said you were a you know a successful entrepreneur, but there came a moment when you turned a corner. You founded Return Ministries. Uh, when did that happen? Why? Why would you? Why would you do something like that? Well, first of all, it wasn't about building my kingdom anymore. It was the fact that I wasn't born five hundred years ago. I live in the hour when Israel's been established as a nation, where Jerusalem was liberated in nineteen sixty-seven. It was just like if I. Um, living for Jesus, and I happen to be living in this hour of visitation, I need to ask, what's my part? What have you chosen and created me to be a part of? And God still speaks to us. He still leads us and he still directs us. It started with helping to bring Jewish people out of the former Soviet Union. That led to working with Christians for Israel uh, out of out of Europe. Uh, from there, uh, God began saying to me that he's not just bringing them home from the former Soviet Union, that he has a plan to bring the six million Jews out of North America. Oh, God, pick somebody else. The, the, the most comfortable Jews are living in Toronto, are living in New York, are living in Florida, Los Angeles. Uh, you know, why should they want to move to Israel? But you see, that's when we have to know our part that we've been chosen to. Because he's chosen another people once that were not his people, but now are his people. And, th and through the blood of Jesus, he's given us this remarkable privilege and honor to be a part of the greatest in-gathering since the exodus out of Egypt. And that's coming out of the continent you and I are living on, uh, living in part of me. And, uh, and so when I realized this, it was about... Uh, I had to leave the ministry that I I helped establish here in Canada and helped internationally and uh, begin a new ministry. And I watched God move again. You know, it's like anything else. You take those steps of faith, God moves. And uh, he moved. And before you know it, Return Ministries was established. I went before the Lord shortly after uh, establishing and saying, what do I do differently than what I was doing the years previously? And he told me two things. He says, I want you to disciple them in this message. Um, and so we set up a training base uh, uh, in, actually, we, we established it first in Centralia, and now we're in Bright, Ontario, just outside of Cambridge. And then he also asked us to establish another one uh, in Israel, which you've been at. Uh, we're now uh, not only at Kibbutz Betzera, but we're also in Tiberias and now we're coming around the lake, uh, setting up at Yigal Alone Center. So we've begun to establish a presence so that we can teach those that are coming to the Galilee and saying, hey, don't just come here to see what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. He's doing some things at our hour, and he's chosen us and given us a part from the nations. And so as a result, we're working with about 53 nations now uh, around the world. We were hit hard with COVID because... We were keeping about uh, 35 to 50 volunteers a month, and uh, that went right down uh, over about six to nine months uh, after COVID began. And then we had to hire nationals, which has been a good thing in the long run. But uh, we're getting ready for, uh, by the grace of God, uh, the tourists to come back again and the volunteers to come back again, because the best place to teach, you know what, is uh is not in canada the best classroom in the world is israel you open up your bible and you point <laughs> exactly yeah 
yeah, yeah. Well, take a amazing. picture prophecy's so, happening right now <laughs> yeah for sure now um return ministries you i know there's sort of a number of, of facets and prongs of of the ministry that you're doing you're committed to helping the jewish people return home helping jews make aliyah can you talk a little bit about that term aliyah what what does that mean Aliyah means to ascend. Um, it's the same word Jesus ascended to be on the right hand of the Father. Uh, we go up to Jerusalem. You you make Aliyah to Jerusalem, but it's also the the modern equivalent word for immigration. And for the right of return, the Jewish people uh, have been given the right as a result of the uh, the fact that Israel uh, became a state again in 1948. But more than that. Uh, because of a covenant made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, mm -hmm. they're able to return. And we happen to be the generation that lives in the hour where they've returned from over 100 different nations, speaking over 80 different languages, but all have returned to learning the word, uh, the Hebrew language again. And I, the, the North American Jews uh, have been going home, not in the great numbers that we're seeing out of many other nations, uh, but we're watching in the hour that we're in right now a, a right. greater movement. We, I mean, Return Ministries, we haven't seen in 18 years the move that we've seen in the last year of Jews from North America having a desire to make Aliyah, to make their immigration back home to Israel. Very cool. So you're, you're helping the Jewish people make Aliyah. Now you are unique, your organization is unique, uh, that as a, a Christian organization, you've actually had a partnership in, in the past with the Jewish agency. This is, to me, this was, you know, miraculous in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about, about that, that relationship and how it came about. I study with Orthodox Jews and have for 11 years every Sunday. I have, I have Orthodox uh, Jewish friends and rabbis uh, throughout Israel and throughout North America. Um, and they know that the credibility uh, to which we walk in as it relates to uh, how we stand in Jesus is, I'm a Christian and uh, Jesus lives in me. He is God. Uh, and, but I don't impose that. But no one will take what I believe away. And we teach Christians, be who you are. But when you go in a Jewish community, remember uh, that the mistrust, crusades, inquisitions, holocausts, uh, Christians have a long way to go. And so, unfortunately, uh, we were, I've been attacked by anti-missionaries for many years. The hard part this most recently, uh, last November, began is that it impacted our relationship with the Jewish agency. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they had to make some decisions and actually we helped them make the decisions. We said, listen, we wanna keep the peace. Uh, uh, it's difficult, but the, the one thing is, is we've got a huge success for over five years. Uh, we've been able to maintain our relationship with the family of God that's in Christ Jesus, well, at the same time, being able to serve every kind of Jew. We won't discriminate. Messianic, secular, orthodox, we're called to be a blessing to all Jews, and we will continue to do so. Will there be some persecution along the way? 
there has and there will be some more. Mm. Okay. Well, that's, uh, you know, it, it is unfortunate to see that relationship, uh, you know, come to an end. And we, we pray maybe that uh, something could be restored because I know it was an incredible way for you to be able to uh, connect with new people coming into the country. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when we think about that, you know, we you you mentioned earlier we all have you know a role to play uh you know i like the illustration of of getting your script and underlining your part uh, what role do you feel that gentiles that non-jews have in the restoration of israel how can how can i how can somebody else who's listening in north america or somewhere else in the world how can they get involved in the israel's restoration it begins first and foremost with prayer Someone who wants to get involved just from a place of, uh, I want to do it, I think it's a good thing. It, it really begins out of a love for God and enter into prayer uh, to be those watchmen. Those who call upon the name of the Lord, give him no rest, take no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. We've been called to pray. Uh, and I feel that even some of the things you've talked about, these are things that, uh, that there needs to be strong intercession and so we're committed to that and have been for many years. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to say that in recent time, last May, before I left Israel, 2020, um, I felt the Lord speak to my heart. And he says, I'm going to bring an alteration to the altar of prayer for Aliyah. And that led uh, to working in Africa and trying to uh, recruit African intercession Indian intercession, Chinese intercession, people that it's a little bit more natural for them to pray for hours. They, they, they've got a desperation in their prayer and in their intercession. And part of that has been born through disease, war, and many of the difficulties that have happened in some of these other uh, countries. Um, and we need it. We need it to, we need that teaching. They love Israel. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll do events in Africa and thousands waving Israeli flags. They have this, this DNA in them that says, I love Israel, okay? But yet they need the understanding. So works like first century foundations, we need to get it into Africa. Uh, we need the teaching to go globally to help these nations understand what they have a heart for. Uh, where here in the West, we've got so much of the understanding but sometimes it starts here. You got to try and push it down where we need the passion of, uh, of the Latinos. We need the passion uh, of the Africans. And that's why this, this work of Ali, especially here in North America, is a global work. And so we established the altar of prayer. We dedicated it on Nissan 1. And by Passover, commemorating the greatest exodus that ever took place, uh, the exodus out of Egypt that wedded to the exodus of sin for many of us who are not Jewish. Uh, uh, it began uh, and, and part, excuse me, and, and helped develop the, the body of Christ. Um, we're now praying day and night around the clock and around the globe for Alia and, uh, and, and its absorption. It's one thing to get a Jewish person home, but Alia does not end at Ben Gurion Airport. Uh, it's a return to God. And uh, uh, God has a plan for Israel. Uh, 
and he just planned this city called Jerusalem. He wants to do a big deal there. Uh, in fact, he's showing up at this earthly Jerusalem. And, uh, but before that, uh, he's raising up a people uh, to be a priesthood and a light to the nations. And so I feel that as a non-Jew, as a believer in Jesus, uh, in Yeshua, we can help bring the Jewish people home so that they could ultimately fulfill uh, their destiny, which is going to culminate in Israel and in Jerusalem. Wow, that's great. And I want to I want to dig into that just a little bit more. But, uh, you know, you talk about prayer being the foundation. And that's one of the things that, um, you know, drew me to first century foundations when I was first approached is that, you know, Clyde and Marion Williamson, our founders, had had begun by just going to Israel, meeting with uh, believers there and beginning to pray for them and their needs. And so, you know, our prayer focus is uh, letting people in Canada here who sort of connect with us know about the current needs of Messianic believers, uh, Christian organizations, humanitarian aid organizations in the land of Israel, and how they can pray for them specifically and for their needs. And uh, that's one way that uh, that believers here in North America can get involved. But I love this idea of focused prayer for Aliyah as well. And so if if our people are listening, and, and uh, whether here in Canada or the United States or, or wherever, how can they connect with this this focused prayer, this uh, altar of prayer, that uh, that they can personally get involved? Oh, thank you for asking. It's uh, www.alteroftprayer.com. Uh, go there and you know register. We have a you know a, a few protocol questions, but register and you'll get full site access. And, uh, and what we hope you'll eventually do, you can drop in any of the watches at any of the time uh, and join with many different nations, which in itself is, is, is really enlightening. But uh, we've got Pakistan, the Malaysians, unbelievable, the Malaysians. Uh, it's, it's, it's the commitment of some of these other nations release the faith in us uh, in this Western culture. But um, what I would encourage as well, is maybe commit three hours a week. Uh, and, and in that three hours, there'll be a half hour teaching that helps us to better understand how to pray for Israel, which is, which is so that we're not praying emotionally, we're not praying politically, we're praying in accordance to what the Bible teaches. Uh, and then there's uh, a very big part of it is worship. I have to tell you a funny story. When I talked to Dr. John Melendi, who's helped to establish um, the altar of prayer, we were thinking of one-hour watches, and uh, Dr. John said, Dean, I, I don't want to offend you, but here in Africa, it takes about an hour to establish the presence of God uh, and, and bring it into our meeting, and then it takes about another hour to to, to fight through a few things and, and, and to keep focused uh, with that. He says, it's about the third hour our intercession, we feel, gets more effective and it continues. He says, how would you feel if we had three-hour watches? <laughs> and within that three-hour watch, give a teaching and allow for some worship and going deeper uh, into that prayer. Uh, not just asking, but inquiring and spending time with God, even to the extent that we've asked and we're teaching every watch, and the Africans are teaching us, 
um, is to is to wait on the Lord. And sometimes this is awkward where there's just silence for five or 10 minutes. So as to allow God to speak and show what's on his heart so as to be able to pray effectively uh, into it. And uh, we're now, I think we're into our 19th week now. And so we invite uh, those that are listening to be a part of the altar of prayer. Uh, We're not asking for any money. Uh, We just really want uh, people to come into that place of connecting with God at that place of prayer and intercession. And, uh, and we believe it's, it's very healthy for the body of Christ in this hour. Oh, that's great. And we'll put that on the screen, altarofprayer.com, A-L-T-A-R-O-F. P-R-A-Y-E-R.com, and uh, you can go and check that out. And we would encourage you to do that. I think that uh, this is just a great opportunity for this this focused prayer for the Jews to come home from North America and from all over the world, really. And, uh, you know, this this idea, this sort of uh, Zionist dream, you know, we, we understand that it began even long before the establishing of, of Israel. Uh, recently, I talked to a, a pastor friend of mine who who actually challenged me and, and implied that being a Zionist was 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 a negative thing or or was almost unchristian. What do you say to him? Well, it, interesting you bring that up. Uh, there's a big divide here in America. I'm down in the states right now, and um, with within the Christian Church, and part of it is connected to. The political movement and the evangelicals and uh, you know what do I say to someone who is in I says let's read the Bible because in the end our foundation needs to be the Word of God um, mm-hmm. for me my life changed when I began to read the Bible I went to church all my life okay uh, you know Jesus is Jewish is it connected to my Bible Okay, Israel uh, is the ba- the front and center of, uh, of our entire Bible. Is it still connected with us today? Yes. You know, the first advent of Jesus, we believed that a virgin would give birth. And I tell these people, I says, do you believe that? Yeah. Do you also believe the ruler would come forth out of Bethlehem? Yeah. I says, that's a literal fulfillment. So how can you believe in the first advent of Christ having literal fulfillment, when we have over 700 scriptures that speak about the return and the restoration of these ancient Mm. people back to this land, how do we just use those for allegories and wonderful poetry and baptism scriptures? Uh, Great applications. You know, when we are living in the time of their interpretation in their fullness, we have to believe that the say, the God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And and in light of that, Amen. look at these scriptures also literally. I now because I can I've been to Israel so many times. She says you have Jeff. We watch. I go to Jerusalem when I see children yeah. playing in the streets. I go. I can take a video of prophecy happening before my eyes. What generation has had that ability to do that? When I can yeah. go into a desert and realize that it's giving forth its fruit. Uh, when we could go into Judea and Samaria, by the way, just so you know, Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. He still wants right. us to include Samaria, Judea and Jerusalem. So the, the reality yeah. is the that we are living in this hour. So 
I, I feel for that Christian who doesn't have that theology. I'll let them know that Paul himself, who is the apostle to the Gentiles, get his gospel because he was concerned other people had another gospel. What did he say in Romans 16, 25, which I love to quote uh, and pray over people? It says, uh, proclaim Jesus Christ. First of all, he says, this is my gospel, you know, meaning mm-hmm. there might be some other gospels out there. And then he goes on to say, proclaim Jesus Christ according to a revelation of a mystery. The average Christian, if you ask them, if you're proclaiming Jesus, they're going, yes. But ask them again, are you proclaiming Jesus Christ according to a revelation of a mystery? He goes on to say, hidden for ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings. There's a lot of those same mm-hmm. Christians you speak about that have said that Jesus has fulfilled all that was written. But my Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the apostles you know, say that he has to stay on the right hand of the Father until the restoration of all things is spoken through his holy prophets, Acts 3.21. Mm-hmm. So we are we need to allow the Jesus in us to live through us so that we actually, when people ask us why we do what we do, our response is very similar to Jesus. In accordance to that which is written. He always quoted the word of God. So back to Romans 16, 25. He says, proclaim Jesus Christ according to a revelation of a mystery hidden for ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings, hidden for ages pardon me, by the eternal command of God. And he goes on to say, so that nations would believe and obey Mm. the only Mm. wise God to him be all glory forever through Jesus Christ all men. God in this hour is looking not just for believers, there's too many of them. He's looking for obeyers. And those obeyers will find themselves living a life that does things in accordance to that which is written. So when others are asking us, why are we doing what we're doing? We can point to specific texts. I'm helping Jewish people home, Isaiah 14, 1 and 2. I'm comforting people, Isaiah 40, verse 1. I'm praying for Israel, Isaiah 62. I'm blessing Israel, yeah. according to Genesis 12, 3. Powerful. Powerful. That's great. You know, and I'm, I'm glad you uh, brought up Judea and Samaria, because I wanted actually to ask you this question. Uh, we talk to different folk on here uh, about, you know, the settlers. And uh, I want to ask you this. What would you say to someone who says that the Jews living in Judea and Samaria have no right to be there? Again, if, if the Bible's not our blueprint, okay, if it's not our constitution, you know, we've got to get a different gospel. <laughs> the, the gospel uh, Jesus, these are some of his last words before he ascends. He says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And the uttermost parts of this. I only need those words to have a conviction. And when you've got the Jewish people saying that they're going to return back to the land, 80% of our Bible comes from Judea and Samaria. Okay, um, Jesus is returning to occupied territory if we deal politically. East Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, is occupied territory, considered uh, according to the United Nations. So there has to be a point where, as a Christian, I acknowledge the truth. Because if I'm not acknowledging the truth, then who is my father? Uh, my father is not Satan, okay? 
our Father in heaven uh, built altars, or, 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 or pardon me, appeared, and altars were built in Judea and Samaria. And I'll tell you, to go there in this hour, if you're ever going to Israel, I, I tell everybody, make sure. If your tour guide won't take you to Judea and Samaria, you, you stay two or three extra days, you go to Judea and Samaria. We try to make sure anybody who comes and visits us, anybody who volunteers us, we take them to Judea and Samaria, and it's a completely different feel than anywhere else yeah. in Israel. Yeah, it's powerful. It, it is absolutely powerful. I've only been able to go the one time. And uh, actually, you know, I've been to so many amazing sites in Israel, but standing specifically at, at Shiloh um, mm -hmm. was just an amazing, amazing experience. Now, I want to ask you one last question. And, and I know that this is this has been, um, you know, part of, of the issue with the with the Jewish agency. But, you know, our heart as believers in Yeshua is that others would come to know Yeshua as well. But mm -hmm. then there's these uh, accusations, you know, leveled of, of doing missionary work in the land of Israel. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you feel about that and, and you know, what it is that, uh, what it is that will, that will really help the Jewish people to understand, uh, you know, the love of God through Yeshua. I'm a firm believer that we need to allow the Jesus in us to reflect his love mm -hmm. through us. Uh, yeah. But he mm -hmm. speaks about an amazing day that's going to happen. We read about it in Zechariah chapter 12. And he wants to do that big event. Uh, and that big event's going to change and transform the world. Um, mm. I'm content to just do my little thing. Uh, I... I get asked by Jews why I believe in Jesus all the time because they can't understand why we help bring Jewish people home. And I'm happy to mm -hmm. tell them, okay? Right. But I, I do it with a different heart. I'm not, tr I'm not looking for a number. I'm not dropping four spiritual laws. Uh, my Bible doesn't tell mm -hmm. me to reason with a Jew. They need to see signs and wonders. And I believe that we can be a sign and wonder for God before the Jewish people. We can leave a lot of things, we can leave a lot more up to God as opposed to trying to make things happen. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's depend on the work of the Holy Spirit and, and the love of Jesus to reveal himself. And, uh, you know, we, of course, we don't do any, any overt teaching or, or any of that kind of thing when we're in Israel. We just support and hold up the hands of, of a lot of groups and, and congregations and ministries that, that are involved there. And so we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep praying for the Jewish people, keep loving the Jewish people. And uh, it's been great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, taking I time out what, of your... I, uh, pardon me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to say one more thing because... Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I... I want to, first of all, just honor Clyde and Marion for all they've done. They're pioneers in our mm. nation of Canada. Uh, yeah. I don't think either one of us could be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for them. And I can't say enough that that remnant that you're supporting in Israel and in, in the nations, uh, I just want to say, as they continue to be a light to people like you and me, my first Passover... Uh, was a Messianic Jew, opened up the Bible for me. Uh, mm -hmm. We need the Messianic movement uh, to be the light and show us this 
Jewish Jesus that will help us get a heart to understand how to, you know, we're supposed to be a Jew with a Jew. Who's going to teach us? Yeah. Will the yeah. Messianic Jewish people do? I know Clyde and Marion have believed in that. They've supported that. They've encouraged that. And, uh, and we, you and I, and many of our viewers here today have benefited from it. And I just really want to thank God for that and give glory to the Lord for this. Absolutely. You know what, Dean, thanks for sharing that. And, and we do honor and bless Clyde and Marion and the work that they have done, the foundation that they have that they have laid. And uh, I know you're probably familiar with the Esther fast and what a catalyst that that was in the very beginning. Just an amazing, amazing story. And um, so, yeah, we we love and appreciate Clyde and Marion as well. And uh, Clyde is in his in his early 80s now and so it's just an incredible incredible legacy and we uh, we have Marion working with us for the rest of this year and then uh, they will they'll take some well-deserved rest although we know that ministry uh, you know uh, when you love Jesus you never really truly retire from ministry but uh, mm -hmm. uh, they they have done an amazing job and we've uh, really enjoyed walking with them in this uh, in this journey and feel very humbled honestly very Amen. humbled to step into those kinds of uh, those kinds of shoes for sure but uh, appreciate your words amen hugs and kisses to them yeah well dean bless you been great to uh, to connect and to interact we'll have to get together when you're back here in canada and uh, thanks for being with us on the podcast today god bless you Shalom, shalom. First Century Foundations is committed to helping those in Israel who are most in need. And this is possible because of people like you. Your donations are supporting the Jerusalem Institute of Justice, who care for some of the most vulnerable in the land, especially aging Holocaust survivors. By spending quality time with them, engaging them through activities, and providing them with food and medication, the Jerusalem Institute of Justice and First Century Foundations together are making a real difference in the lives of people who have experienced so much suffering. People like us who lost everything and live with the pain to have people that help us a little bit, we're very grateful. Call or write today and receive our bi-monthly free Israel Prayer Watch to help you stay up to date and pray for all of the ministries we support in Israel. Partner with us for just $30 a month or more. Your gifts are making a difference in Israel today.